Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Well, welcome to the Side Action this is episode five of season three. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Wegs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at SideActionPod on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, so, hey, guys. So we're trying to figure everything out. Uh, I've got my ring light here. I hope I look really great. I don't look how splotchy as before. Um Action's looking great over there. You can see them now. This is, we are. I got my spectacles on tonight. Saw that, your spectacles. I like that. So we're, we're, we're really doing this. Um, what happened over the weekend? Anything exciting? Oh, man. You ask me that every week, and I can never remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we talked about the, I mean, not to, Action lives in a, a nice house. I know it's a lovely home, but he deals with the, you know, the Ferndale rats, which oh, yes. are renowned they're 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 nationwide now everybody knows about these things so what's going on with the uh, rat patrol you're right that consumed my weekend i was on rat rat duty uh <laughs> newly minted member of the ferndale rat patrol it's a facebook nice. group where we share thoughts and ideas and trapping strategies and we collaborate too we go around to other people's houses and look for burrows and uh infiltrate them so oh my god we're burrow busting it's an extensive, uh, extensive patrol there. I like that. Are you guys also like drinking some beers along the way, or is it kind of a social activity? Uh, not yet. I think it's a pandemic version of the Rat Patrol, but I expect there'll be some fun at some point along the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, as I alluded in our outline, the Shockers had a, an epic game this weekend, just an uh, epic battle of good and evil. We played Flasks and Flags. Uh, they are a team that we've beaten in the past, but they've beaten us too. Kind of an elusive quarterback. Um, you know, the week before we had a, a kind of resounding victory over a, a kind of a, a rookie team. Mm -hmm. This team, obviously, you have to play decent to win. Your cousin, QB1, uh, he threw four interceptions in the first half. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we were only down 14 to 7. I got a pick in the first to keep us in it. And then in the second half, we kind of like went on a little run. We took the lead. They tied us, then they took the lead. You know, we like, we basically uh, got another touchdown. We were two points back because, you know, we like to go for two action. We, yeah. we for two. Well, it's the right call. I mean, if you're looking at the analytics. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except, you know, your cousins, you know, it, analytics, it's kind of like twos and threes. If you can't make a three, it, it isn't a good idea in, in basketball. But, um, so anyway, we we did hit a couple of them, and I was actually telling him to go for two most of the time. Jimmy Jimmy Zaronis, our guy, he actually dropped one that got us down by the two. And then all game, we had a guest star uh, who was on the sidelines, and that's Schwa, you know, the former captain of the Shockers. And he showed up for the first time in a couple seasons. He didn't play. He didn't warm up. He looked good, but he didn't play until we got the ball back down by the two with about, eh, about a minute to go. And um, he gets in there. We run the famous play Brutus, as you know, which is a kind of a, a juke and jive of the safety in the back of the end zone. And your your cousin Mikey threw a dime to, to Schwa for the game-winning touchdown, you know, with only like 10 seconds to go. It was a very exciting game. Took the win, 34-28. And uh, so the Shockers are undefeated. So, our, you know, we'll have to see what the line is this week. We're playing Indy Team 4. I mean, that's yeah. going to be a Pretty big line, I think. The win and the cover, it sounds like. Checking the latest <laughs> odds, and it looks like Schwa's last-minute play saved some Shockers backers, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, the Shockers backers. I mean, I think the the interceptions, uh, I'm sure that there was a prop on the interceptions. Mikey finished the game with five interceptions, um, so he had a critical one in the second half, too, but we overcame it, and it was exciting. Anyway. So can his new nickname be Peterman now of five interception fan? <laughs> Or Jameis, right? Um, the other thing we did, we went, we closed down the schoolyard. Little shout out to the schoolyard, you know, pour out, pour out some for the for the homies over there. Um, they uh, they're clo they closed officially on s Sunday. It was a long time place, open since '94. We've been going there for at least 10, 15 years. So 
a little sad. I haven't been there in a couple of years. I guess that's why they closed, right? We, we stopped going. Yeah, but, right. Um, R.I.P. Exactly. But we put a little tribute in, which was nice. Uh, other than that, I had a pretty good day betting, a pretty good weekend betting. I was a mighty 3-0-1 this weekend, so it's good to get back on the positive side. That's getting it done. No doubt about it. I was up and down, down a little, I think. But we can bounce back here moving into week five. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about there's no real industry updates right now. We've kind of created this segment for COVID updates and I guess weather updates this week. First, I wanted to report that uh, Cam Newton, of course, uh, tested positive. It was after our podcast last week. He missed the game um, you know, this week against Kansas City on Monday Night Football. It's speculated he'll probably miss this week too, right? He's out going to be. He's going to be out this week. I would expect. I think it would be hard pressed for him to get enough negative tests lined up in a row. I think it's supposed to be five or six days worth of negative tests before they can get back on the field. So I think it's unlikely he'll play. Uh, besides that, and we'll talk about you know the, the how that affected betting in a minute, but. Stefan Gilmore also tested positive uh, for New England, and you noted that there's a picture of him giving a hug to Patrick Mahomes. So this is kind of the, you know, where the, the tracing issue. Yeah, it's going to be a wild next couple of days. I expect. I don't think these will be the last couple of tests that come up in the news media this week, and really several games that are going to be in question as to whether or not they'll get played. So we'll have right. to be flexible here in our picks and. Hopefully we can identify some games that are better chances than others to actually play. That'll be part of the handicap here, too, for the contest. Yeah, it was interesting. Last week, we, we faced the dilemma that we were going to probably take, originally we were going to take New England before yeah. the Cam Newton ideas, or Cam Newton stuff. They were six-and-a-half-point dogs at Kansas City. But then when Cam Newton bowed out, we were all over, of course, Kansas City, which they did end up covering. But at the time, we didn't know if they were going to play the game at all. And you have to make that pick by 5 p.m. Central on, you know, on Saturday. So we opted not to pick that game and not take the automatic half-point victory, which maybe would have been a better idea in some certain cases this week, action. But, um, but that's the issue with these games. There's so much uncertainty. Yeah, a number of people, I think three or 400, still went with the Chiefs. And ultimately, it played out really well for them because the game was played Monday night which still counted for the contest, and ultimately they ended up getting a winner, although I would argue it was probably not the right side in the end because yeah. New England was covering that entire game, and Belichick had a great game plan for Mahomes and the Chiefs, as you expected. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really Jared Stidham and Edelman who kind of uh, cemented that cover away for the Chiefs on Monday night. Yeah, with the pick six, right, or yeah. whatever. So Hoyer has key. a play in that, too, I suppose. Yeah, Hoyer, you know, what can you say? <laughs> um, so now the other element that we're talking about, first of all, we let's go to that. So the Titans had two more players test positive for COVID. It's not looking like they might play again this week. Their facility is closed again. Um, I heard on the radio that they basically had some guys do an unsanctioned uh, practice at a high school or something. So look for some fines going towards them. Uh, and, you know, I know Broccoli Bob's guy might have been one of those guys in Saffold, but um, but it's kind of crazy now that they ran out of their bye that they're either going to have to push to a Monday night game or maybe not play again. So that's just kind of the, the issue with starting the season. Yeah, another issue with that game is they're playing Buffalo, who in week six is scheduled to play on Thursday night against the Chiefs. Mm. So a whole slew of schedule impacts. I don't think the NFL is just going to be able to continuously push these games back a day or two days because there's ripple effects. Yeah, good point. Um, then there's another situation, non-COVID related. It looks like the, a hurricane is going to hit the, you know, the Louisiana area, New Orleans, uh, Hurricane Delta, and they're supposed to play uh, uh, the Chargers this week, right? Yeah, New Orleans has a home game Monday night, and obviously it's a dome. I did For our NFL picks, I did do a quick survey, and none of the stadiums in the South are going to be affected. Many of them are indoors, so sure. it's unlikely that they're going to affect actual play on the field. But it did look like they're looking at alternate locations for that New Orleans game, perhaps playing in Indianapolis on Monday night. I'm not sure that would really impact either team too much. I suppose you could argue that the Saints now have to travel instead of playing the home game. It's kind of a regular 
spot for them needing to travel ahead of a what was going to be a home game. But I'm not sure that would affect the line in any way. Right, especially because there weren't fans down in New Orleans anyway. <laughs> so, um, but interesting. I mean, just still disruptive. And you know, 2020, you know, we I'll just you know poured out for Bon Jovi, man. I mean, it's just been a rough year, dude. I mean, it's like the hits keep coming every every day. There's something new to deal with in this stuff. Yeah, I uh, did want to mention though, in that same vein, for those of you listeners who do like to bet college football. There are mm-hmm. a whole number of games that are in the Delta region this weekend, and you've already seen some massive line moves on the totals because they're expecting some very serious wins on Saturday afternoon throughout Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama. So just a general PSA, if you're looking to hit one of these totals that you, on the surface, think looks a little depressed, I would uh, think twice about that because high wind as we've talked about in the past, it has a serious effect on college football totals, especially. Sure. Passing game goes, goes out the window, right? Yep. Um, all right, well, let's jump into week four recap. Uh, just like we've been doing by the numbers, we've got uh, home teams. Didn't didn't fare too well this week, action. Only six winners, uh, nine for the road road wins. So definitely it was a – they took it in the face. We, we kind of talked about the home field advantage. doesn't have as much juice this year especially with COVID and not the lack of fans. And then the favorites did come out on top this week, which is kind of contrary to our picks, unfortunately. Um, nine covers for them and six for the dogs, which is kind of a, you know, maybe a little correction, I guess. I'm not sure. We were kind of even going in. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, for once, the totals were pretty close. I mean, eight and seven, eight over, seven under. Uh, that still puts for the season. There's still more overs for sure, and it actually started off kind of the same way. A bunch of overs in that early window, but later on, those other games kind of slowed down, and they were a lot lower scoring, especially like the Bears, you know, Bears-Colts game, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, it was interesting. I think that you had Thursday night Denver and the New York Jets that went way over, and then almost all of the early games again. But once that ad- afternoon window started and then all three of the primetime games Sunday night and both Monday night games all stayed under the total so Mm. leads me to think that we might be in line for somewhat of a correction and you know looking at some of the totals that have popped up on the board this week you see a whole number of games that are opening in the 50s and also a few of them that have started to trend down already so it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is this week on the totals front. Yeah, I mean, at some point they're they're gonna whether the books are gonna catch up, but um, the Lions they let us down, but they started off guns ablaze and 14 nothing up on the Saints at home, gave up 35 unanswered points action. Good God, it was like they were just getting destroyed at one point. Of course, that's a Matt Patricia defense. You know that's gonna happen, but. They kind of gave us some hope there. They they started pushing late, and, um, you know, they got up to 29, but not not within the number we needed, which was four and a half, I believe. So that's, uh, you've already noted, that's the sixth consecutive game that Detroit's blowing a huge lead. Yeah, yeah, six games in a row where they've been up by 10 and at some point in the game trailed. Uh, they did come back to beat the Arizona Cardinals the week before, but five out of six of those games ended up being L's for Matt Patricia and the gang. And it was really kind of a wild game. After they gave up those 35 unanswered, they did come back and score 15 of their own to close within six, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough for us to get to the window. I was fortunate to uh, get back into the teaser window, though, in one of my spots. That a boy. Way to tease it up. Uh, Another one that didn't go our way, but was it seemed like the right way, was uh, the Chargers go down to Tampa Bay. They looked awesome in the first half. Uh, Justin Herbert looked great. It was they were up 24 to seven. They had a pick six of Brady, which now he's had a pick six in each of the first four games, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, but somehow, you know, they mishandled a kind of a snap to a handoff to run out the clock in the first half, fumble inside their five yard line. Brady gets him in the end zone, 2014, and that kind of spurred a 21 unanswered point run by the, the Bucks to take the lead in that game. Herbert did hit somebody big to kind of kind of go back and forth, but ultimately uh, threw a pick late, and the the Bucks not only won the game but they covered the number in the concept contest. It was six and a half. I was lucky enough to do in-game action at seven and a half when they fell down seven nothing early because I didn't get in before the game started, so I actually cashed this ticket. But I think Tampa's looking pretty damn good. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I think the best unit on the field on Sunday was that Tampa Bay defense. They held the Chargers running attack completely to almost nothing. You saw that Austin Eckler went out early in the first half, but um, even the rookie Joshua Kelly couldn't get anything going on the ground. And it's clear that this Tampa defense is going to carry them quite a ways. Tom Brady had a pretty good game, too, after the early pick six, five touchdowns, I think you mentioned. But I was also impressed again with Justin Herbert. A great game by him, 290 passing yards and three touchdowns of his own. A big-time bomb late in the third quarter that got them back into the game. had me fist-pumping a little bit. But (laughs) I think that uh, Anthony Lynn did us in in that pick. The decision before halftime to run a a read option in their own red zone where Herbert and Kelly fumbled and that allowed Tampa Bay right back into the game and kind of sealed our fate. Yeah, the Anthony Lynn factor is big. I think he's a good guy, probably a really good position coach, but he's not a great head coach. You've got to make better decisions. And, you know, this team is better than – we can talk about them later, but they're better than their record shows, I think. I mean, they obviously didn't play well, uh, I guess, against the Panthers. But, you know, they they played pretty well this season, and and that defense couldn't hold up eventually, you know, to that box. I think they made an adjustment. They were showing – kind of on the analysis that early in the game, the Chargers were getting to Brady and putting a lot of pressure on him. But later they were kind of running three tight on tight end sets, but getting them all in the, in the pattern and getting guys open. Now, you know, Gronk did actually make a catch for, for once, but, um, but we'll see how that, you know, turns out long-term. I think OJ Howard is out for the year for them. Isn't That's that right? Correct. Achilles tear. They have a whole number of injuries that came up to Gronk's on the injury report. Godwin's okay. still there on a short week traveling to Chicago. It's going right. to be a tough turnaround for the Bucks. Interesting. Uh, the next game I, I kind of noted, it wasn't in our picks. We were contemplating it last week, uh, was the Panthers. They actually might be better without McCaffrey, which is kind of crazy. They won. They were ahead this whole game. They were kind of kind of beaten up on Arizona, who maybe we can talk about why that's happening. But your guy, Steady Teddy, he gets their second win in a row, and, and I think they're – I think they're a legit team to, you know, just kind of be in the middle of the pack and, uh, you know, mix it up on a week, week on week, week in, week, week in, week out basis. Yeah, definitely agree. This uh, Bridgewater team certainly isn't going to, he's not going to make any big turnovers or boneheaded mistakes that gets his right. team out of the game like some other quarterbacks are prone to do. And uh, he actually showed a little bit of legs this week, big time touchdown run from inside the red zone which busted a player prop of mine. But mm. uh, Bridgewater was excellent, and I think that on the flip side, you have to start asking some questions about the Arizona Cardinals. That's two weeks in a row now that Kyler Murray and company have underimpressed. Yeah, and they, of course, they go to the Jets. It might be a you know elixir for, for that. Right. But Yeah, exactly. But we'll see. You're right. They haven't been as, as good as they were the first couple of weeks, so we'll see what happens. The next game was uh, Vikings go down to Houston, and we were kind of contemplating Houston in this spot. Glad we didn't because, you know, Houston looked bad again. They were down big. Um, Bill O'Brien finally fired. I think he really did it himself in by that Anthony Anthony Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins trade. Uh, But he's out as GM and coach with the 0-4 start for Houston. They lose the game 31-23. They were five-point favorites. They had no chance in covering that game. Yeah, uh, that was a tough watch. I had a personal wager on the Texans and fired mm-hmm. on them live a few times. I think when you look at the box score, though, it was relatively even. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that the Vikings outperformed. Um, certainly performed higher than expectation, but um, now with Bill O'Brien on the outs, they're rolling out Romeo Cornell as the stand-in yes. coach, which I'm not so certain is going to be an upgrade on any level for this season. No, agreed. Agreed. He's he's had his shot before, right, at Kansas City maybe or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been okay, but, I mean, it's just kind of trying to right the ship since it's a disaster, especially, you know, we'll see. I I mean, the, using the, losing the GM at the same time, too, I don't know who's the interim GM, but there's not a lot of deals being made right now for, G, you know, like trades and such, but it kind of matters because that's kind of the scouting for next year. It's an interesting mm-hmm. move by the Texans. I know why they fired him. Uh, well, but, they have no picks, Wags. I don't, I don't yeah. really need a GM if they have no draft picks. 
good point. Good point. That's the, the Ryan Pace theory of drafting. Um, well, let's look at this one. This was an, this is we finally were on the right side here. The Browns go down to the Cowboys and just bludgeon them to death initially. Uh, they were killing this team. They were up what 41 to 14 or 41 to 20 or something, rushing for 307 yards. Somehow, as they always do, the Cowboys are so talented on offense, they roar back. They cut it to within three points. It was 41 to 38 before the Odell Beckham run, um, you know, for the big reverse touchdown. We, we, I'm glad we were on the right side here, but wow, this this Cowboys team, this defense is as bad as it gets. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Uh, Dak Prescott was great though in the comeback, 500 yeah. passing yards, four more touchdown passes for him. But mm-hmm. the Dallas secondary is just terrible. I think they have got to be ranked near the bottom of the league in pass defense. And um, and the, the running defense, too. I think you mentioned it. The Browns racked up 300 yards, even without Nick Chubb. Um, you had the Dearnest guy stepping in and uh, filled his shoes admirably. I was super impressed with the Browns' run game on that side of the ball as well. I think that uh, that was really a commanding performance by them the other thing i wanted to mention is the second half spread in this one i don't know if you caught it the Mm-mm. browns were catching seven points up 17 okay. at halftime and after mm. the obj long touchdown run the pat would have tied the second half spread but it uh, got blocked and into the end zone and the browns are covered so oh, yeah that's Two swung, that swung the second half spread and the browns ended up getting the cash in that one Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that was. I was here watching with a friend, and we weren't quite sure what the rule was. So I guess if it is a block, then you can return it for a touchdown, mm-hmm. something. That's interesting on both ends, but fascinating situation there. Uh, one of the things I'm going to note about the Cowboys, we'll talk a little bit about them later, but they're a league-leading, meaning league-bottom, minus seven in turnover differential. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team keeps turning the ball over. Um Obviously, ball security is one of one thing, but also Dak Prescott early too. So it's picks and fumbles. This team is just killing themselves early. With all that talent on offense, they should be should be better. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next game that didn't work for us uh, was Miami. <laughs> Miami. They looked pretty good against Seattle. I mean, Seattle's defense. We'll talk about them later. They're not very good either. But um, they could not get this done. We, you know, we had this game, I think, at five and a half, or was it six? It was maybe six. It was six uh, in the contest. Yeah, we had six points, you know, and, and they ended up losing 31-23. They had opportunities kind of middle of this game. They cut it to 17, like 15, but it was field goals instead of touchdowns. And then Seattle just kind of did what they do. They hit big plays, and Russell Wilson is on pace right now with, like, kind of the all-time great seasons for touchdown passes through four games. Yeah, this one really stung because I watched the Red Zone channel and watched the replay last night, and Miami really should have covered. They were in it throughout. They did get beaten in the box score. Seattle had 7.1 yards per play compared to Miami's 6.1 and were better on passing yards per play as well. But Miami moved the ball on them. They were down inside the uh, Seattle territory five times, all chances to score, and all five ended in field goals. Right. So, and I think that uh, the defensive lapse right before the half was absolutely killer too. Miami closed That's the game right. to one point, and then they allowed a Seattle receiver to get behind them, and Wilson threw a bomb, and they ended up scoring a touchdown to go up by eight right before the half, and that was just horrible for the bottom line score. That's right. That's right. They are going to start Fitzpatrick again this week, despite the interceptions. So. The Tua era has not started, but I, I kind of expect that to start soon if they lose another game or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last game is your squad. I know you're happy. Um, I, my buddy was watching with Bashak. They took the Colts, but we, we, we were on the right side here. The Colts, um, they came into Chicago. They took care of business. Phillip Rivers didn't have to do anything really, but that defense really showed well, winning 19-11, and that, honestly, it wasn't even that close. It was a late score by the Bears to get them to 11. They only had three points most of the game and really couldn't do anything against this Colts front. Uh, Nick Foles in the starting role. You know, sometimes he's better coming off the bench, right? Uh, He just didn't get it done. And, you know, more importantly, I just think that they didn't run the ball. They got 28 yards rushing in this game against that Colts front. So it'll kind of be strength against strength when we talk about the Colts Browns. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely a masterful performance by that defense. And even after the adjustments now on uh, Football Outsiders, DVOA still ranked number one in mm-hmm. total defense and number two against the pass. So certainly a surprise to me when you look at this defense and their preseason expectations. I think that uh, they're really coming together and Rakia Sin coming back into the lineup was huge for them. He had some big-time plays. But I think the major concern that I have on this Colts team is their inability to finish drives, similar to Miami we talked about in the last game. They were in the red zone a number of times and just couldn't get the ball into the end zone. And against teams that are better suited than the Chicago Bears, that's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, Mo Ali Cox, I think, had another touchdown, uh, but he's really the only guy in the red zone they're looking for. I mean, they're trying to do some kind of gimmicky stuff with Naeem Hines. Uh, you know, Hilton's a good receiver, but he's not a big receiver, which you really need in the, in the red zone. And if they're not going to run the ball effectively enough in the red zone with Taylor, then you're right. They're going to settle for field goals, and that'll cost them, you know, later. Let's talk about positives and negatives from the week. Um, you, of course, have already talked about it, and I have too. The Cleveland running game, just even without Nick Chubb, they, they got this done. I mean, Kareem Hunt stepped in, running all over. Who's the other guy? It was uh, Jackson. Ernest DeForest, or, or I don't know. He's a big waiver wire pickup. Yeah, Johnson. Johnson. I Johnson. Think the best yeah, he just ran all over the place, but they were kind of looking at, I was looking at NFL Live yesterday and they were just showing this run scheme and it's, I think it's Conklin. I think he really helps out on the right side and he's a road grader as they call him. He's really helping him out. And then, you know, despite Baker not playing that great, uh, they're, they're really getting it done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And I also noted TB12, you know, we, we talked about Brady. He had five touchdown passes, like you said, and we thought that Chargers defense was going to play pretty well and they did early but second half they just lit them up yeah definitely uh not quite the performance that we expected out of that chargers defensive line getting after brady they had almost no pressure on him and it showed in the final box score right i know you're not on board with me yet but josh allen for mvp man this dude is still playing at a huge level and um i just like watching his film because he's just zipping the ball you know, making, you know, obviously running, you know, running, you know, running a little bit, you know, avoiding the rush. The guy's just got a cannon. Um, so it's nice to see him be successful. Of course, Wilson and, you know, is, is on top of this right now, but he's still a dark horse. Yeah, I heard some discussion today over the airwaves uh, chatter about Josh Allen and MVP possibilities. I think I heard 15 to 1 or 12 to 1. Not sure if you've shopped around yet, Weggs, but. Uh, Got to get on that. I'm not sure I can get there yet. I think that Buffalo certainly has a strong capability of winning this division and even rattling off a 12 and 4 or 13 and 3 type campaign, which mm-hmm. could go a long way. But uh, there's some names above him that are going to be difficult to leap. You are you are correct, including this guy, Aaron Rodgers. This dude is balling, man. So to give me some of these stats. 327 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions and that's still zero on the entire season Mm -hmm. uh aaron Rodgers is in a zone right now that i think has come from his ability to uh watch film i've been Mm -hmm. hearing that he spent all pandemic watching himself and (laughs) and realizing these mechanics that he had off in his game and um he is a master with the football right now he looks great and you know i obviously growing up a bears fan you're an anti-packers fan immediately but it's hard to, hard to, you know, you sad and be upset about greatness. And he really is playing in a great level considering Adams really isn't, you know, he's either hurt or not at the top of his game. And I mean, Aaron Jones is playing really well, but I think that he's finally adapted to the LaFleur system and he's, he's looking really comfortable in it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, oh God, sorry. I was just going to mention, I'm still waiting to see him go up against the real secondary Right. You know, another cupcake on the schedule this week with the Atlanta Falcons. So I'd like to see him go against my Colts defense, but we'll have to wait for the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, they're, they're playing the Colts. This year. Oh, that's they'll, right. They'll You're play right. the Colts in the regular season. No worries. Don't worry. That's right. 
Let's see if, you know, what your guy, what Rock Yasin, let's see if you can stop him. I doubt it. <laughs> um, the negatives, you know, we, we talked already about your guy getting the axe in Houston. Uh, they, they drop it to own three Vikings. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that, that's probably a good move. And then the Dallas defense, I mean, I've already mentioned this. I don't know if there's a worse defense in football right now. Well, according to Football Outsiders, there's one, two, three, eight of them. Okay. Dallas okay. is at 24 in the efficiency ratings. So I agree, though, on paper. I, I mean, them and the Seattle defense, Atlanta is up there in my mind. Those teams are just over machines. Yeah. And uh, I don't I don't see how they're going to turn them around very quickly. We'll see. We'll see. You've already mentioned some of these injuries. Uh, Nick Chubb, he's he's out six weeks right now with a with a knee issue. Um, O.J. Howard out for the season with the Achilles. Austin Eckler's out six weeks. You got Ziggy Ansah's out for the season with a bicep. So the injuries keep coming in this in this COVID season. Mm-hmm. All right, you've already mentioned this Stephon Gilmore stuff. So I guess we could jump into Week Three previews, huh? Yeah, Week Five. So we may get this out in time for tomorrow's game. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because it's not a contest pick, but kind of some interesting line movement here for the Tampa Bay uh, Bears game. Uh, you know, the, the Tampa looks so good on Sunday, and, and Brady's been playing well. It started off kind of where it's at now, isn't it? It was around three to open up. It kind of went up to four and a half, five and a half. It's coming back down. I saw three and a half at uh, at least at Bet Rivers recently. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, uh, opened up three on Sunday night, right before Sunday night football, and quickly jumped to six. Mm-hmm. I actually grabbed a little bit of uh, Chicago plus six myself. Okay. Uh, that, that helps anyone listening now, but <laughs> I, I still think that there's value on the Chicago Bears. Not enough for us to put in our contest picks tomorrow, but mm. I, if you can grab a four, I still like Chicago in this spot. I think that Tampa has still been a little bit overrated. And uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that Tampa Bay's injury list right now is lengthy. Looks like Godwin's going to be out again. Mike Evans is on the injury report, which I didn't mention, and Gronkowski. So TB12 is going to be limited a little bit in his options tomorrow night. Yeah, for sure. That does affect it. Uh, Let's go to the next game. Here we got Cincinnati against Baltimore. Uh, This opened at 13. It's up to 13.5 in some spots right now. Uh, I know you're not going to get on my bandwagon, especially not with the Ravens, but the Bengals are better. I, I'm telling you, I, I hated on them last year. I actually won a futures ticket on the losses or wins last year, the under. Um, and I'm not a Joe Burrow guy. Last year I was still dogging him, even though he was winning the Heisman. But he's playing this, this team's playing pretty good. You didn't want to go on me against Jacksonville, but will you go on against Baltimore with 13 and a half points? Mm, I don't think so. No, I, uh, <laughs> I did read today that Lamar Jackson missed practice with a little bit of a, a knee impingement, yes. but uh, didn't appear to be serious. I just don't think that in today's NFL, you find as much value in grabbing these numbers with the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Certainly think that uh, Cincinnati has been impressive, uh, kind of a beatdown of Jacksonville. Yeah. Really, Joe Mixon showed up once this week or this year and, uh, but I think that Baltimore's run defense is going to be ready for that offense. And on the flip side, I think that Baltimore's run game is going to have an equally uh, good effect against Cincinnati. So I think this is a number that they could probably reach. Okay. I took 13 and a half already, buddy. Okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay. So the next one is Carolina at Atlanta. This is an interesting game, too. Atlanta has, they're 0-4, they're playing terrible. I still don't know how Dan Quinn has a job. Um, I know that, you know, the Packers are a pretty good team, but this team has blown some leads. They haven't looked very good. And, you know, there's a lot of injuries, too. And this seems to be year over year there's injuries. I'm not sure if that's motivation, if that's training staff or what. But you got to get the guys on the field. Carolina right now, at least they open that way. Now they're down to like 1-2 and two, uh, point. Mm-hmm you know, dogs on the road, um, I'd be inclined to take the Panthers if it stays around three. Obviously, one's kind of a tough one, but I saw two and a half last night. So we'll see what the contest line is going to be. But 
I'm kind of on your steady Teddy bandwagon. Yeah, I, I think that we're on the same page here. I also like Carolina in this game. Um, certainly would like it a lot more closer to three, but I think it's unlikely given the sharp lines that Circa has put out the past few weeks right. that we'll see anything but one or one and a half maybe. Um, but, you know, on the same token, you've seen some money come in on Atlanta week after week. It happened again last night or Monday night where sure. it was seven and a half all week. And before kickoff, it was down six and a half, six in some spots. Sure. I know that some of that move had to do with Devontae Adams, but I'm just not sure what all of these supposed sharps see in the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Well, they have a good offense theoretically, right? It's just, you know, at home, they're definitely going to score points. They always do no matter who their, their opponent. It's just that defense is terrible. And, um, mm-hmm. Carolina seemed to be moving the ball against, I mean, I thought the Chargers were pretty good. They, they did very really well. Obviously, they played great against Arizona. Um, I mean, they even showed something late after McCaffrey got hurt when they were when they were going against Tampa. They were trying to get in the back door there. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this team's, Matt Rule seems to have this group playing very well. Yep. Next game is the uh, Vegas Raiders playing against the Chiefs. This is in Arrowhead. We'll see if, assuming Mahomes is going to play, especially with this line, open at 11.5, but it's ballooned up to either 13 to 14.5 in some spots. I mean, obviously we love the Chiefs. They're still my team. And I did do the index. I'm not going to reveal all of it, but the Chiefs are the top team. They're the number one team in the index. Uh, and that's because their defense is playing really well. You know, they're, only, they're not giving up many points. Uh, so yeah. the only way to go for me is the Chiefs, but I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think that I would look towards Las Vegas at all in this one. Their defense is near the bottom of the league, ranked 31st in both pass uh, and rush defense, and that's not a recipe for success against uh, the Kansas City team. Right. So uh, presuming that they stay healthy and the game actually plays, I think that we could consider the Chiefs at a number under two touchdowns. Okay, okay. Keep that in mind. Vegas didn't really show up that great against the Bills. They they did get some scores to keep it interesting, uh, but the Bills were were solid all game in that one. Uh, so we'll see. The next game is off the board right now. That's Buffalo against Tennessee, and it's kind of a shame. I think initial lines, I was kind of interested in the Titans being at home. Uh, Buffalo was kind of getting a lot of love there, but we'll just have to see. I don't think it's going to be played, or at least it's not going to be on the board right now. Um, next one is Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, an intriguing game. The Steelers are home. They've got their bye week early, so, you know, that's kind of unique. They're seven-point favorites at home. That seems to be holding up. I see seven-and-a-half at bet online, but seven seems to be the number here. I haven't been saying the totals here. This is 46. I'm sorry, 44 or so, 44-and-a-half. I don't know. Uh, okay, well, so I'm sure we're going to be on different sides of this, but – Philly did what we needed them to do. At least I bet bet against the 49ers in that spot. Philly needed to win. The Steelers are undervalued in this in this situation. I don't know what in in my index when I do this, and I know it's early in the season to do it. They should be the biggest favorite at home, and they're not. Um, hmm. I know what it is. The Eagles played really well, but seven is a tough number. But I'd almost take it. Um, actually, I don't know about you. You mean laying it with the Steelers? Yes. Yeah, I think that I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't think I could see myself on the flip side taking the Eagles in this game, mm-hmm. especially after the layoff from the Steelers. You saw a lot of players coming out and really quite angry that mm-hmm. Tennessee disrupted their schedule, and sure. I think that uh, Pittsburgh is going to be a little bit hungry this week and gave them another week to get healthy. Uh, they had some offensive line injuries that I think would probably be key to monitor before this one, but uh, the Philadelphia defense was not very impressive the first couple of weeks, and then they went up against Nick Mullins, who was not ready to play on Sunday night. So right, exactly. I think we could probably discount that performance. And uh, also, the Pittsburgh defense is one of the tops in the league, and I think that they're going to be interested in getting right this week. I don't know if you have any statistics to back this, but when I watched that game on Sunday night, you know, obviously looking for my cover for the Eagles, the offensive line cannot protect Carson Wentz. And I, we've been dogging Wentz all season. He hasn't played very well, but he's running for his life all the time. 
And it's weird because they're not really trying to run the ball that much, at least against the Niners. But this Pittsburgh defense has the pass rush to keep up with him. And more importantly, they're going to stuff that run too. So the only way they keep inside this number to me is if this game is really low. I mean, the total showing it, one of the lower ones on the board. But I think with a week off, uh, the Steelers are going to be able to score some points. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh, number one ranked defensive line. So I think that's a great angle. The next one is the Rams against Washington. Uh, this opened at uh, you know, nine and a half point favorites for the Rams and uh, 46 point total. It's right in that range, but it's gone down. The line's gone down about seven or seven and a half. Do you think this is because the change of quarterback? They, they're going to Kyle Allen in lieu of uh, what's his name? The Ohio State guy. Uh, Haskins. <laughs> Haskins. D. Wayne Haskins. And he's going down to the third in the depth chart. They're actually they elevated Alex Smith to, to the backup. So do you think that's why the move on the line? No, the line was uh, pretty well settled before that news broke this morning. And uh, I don't think you've seen any additional movement one way or another, which tells you that odds makers and sharp bettors both agree that uh, the move from Haskins to Kyle Allen probably doesn't move the needle much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bigger part of this handicap is really just trying to understand what the LA Rams have going right. on on their side of the ball. Looked terrible against the Giants, one of the worst defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff only threw for 200 passing yards, and I think a quarter of that was on one play yeah. to cut that seal of the game. 55 yards, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, we have to monitor the status of Chase Young. I think he'll probably be important to this one. But um, I would only look to the Washington football team here. That mm-hmm. defensive line uh, is nasty. And yep. I think that when Jared Goff gets some pressure in his face, the L.A. Rams has a tough time moving the football. When I first looked at the, the number at 9, 9.5, I was going to jump all over it. But it quickly came down. So if it's 7.5, it seems like a good number, maybe. But... Um, We'll see. I'm not really sure what to think because Washington hasn't played that great either. I know that line is we, we love that, you know, like five first round picks on that starting you know, defensive line. But mm-hmm. I don't know. They haven't played that great. If they can play better offensively, maybe we'll see. They were just in catch up mode last week. They had no chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other major factor that we should discuss is Kyle Allen and mm-hmm. uh, his small hands. I think that pretty well documented. <laughs> He had a football or a fumbling problem last year, yep. and uh, going against the LA Rams defense and Aaron Donald up front, it's certainly not a quarterback that I would feel great going to the window with. Sure, sure. Um, the next game is Arizona against the Jets. Uh, the Jets are hosting Arizona, and uh, they opened at eight and a half point dogs at home, total being 46. That's kind of settled out about seven points now, uh, and then the total right around 47 now. I mean, I, I can't touch this game. I originally was all over the Jets because I think Arizona's kind of a, as you always call them, paper tigers. And they're 2-2 two and two now. They're showing their real colors. But the Jets stink. And it looks like Sam Darnold's probably not going to play this week, um, which isn't an upgrade to, you know, what's his name? Joe Flacco? I didn't know he's Flacco. still in the league. Uh, so I don't – there's still no weapons for Flacco. He's a mobile back there. I'd stay away from this game. I don't know about you. Yeah, another confirmed announcement, quarterback change. And from what I read, I don't think it's injury-related. Oh, really? It appears to be a benching. Um, okay. They said that he's, he's got a shoulder problem. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's – can he stop throwing interceptions? I mean, is that that what we're trying to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I – you know, I got to think that going to Flacco is a downgrade, personally. Mm-hmm. The market hasn't moved a tick since this announcement came out. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's no way that I could back the Jets, whether it's Darnold or Flacco or Joe Namath right now. But um, <laughs> I, I also don't know that I feel warm and fuzzy about laying seven points with Cardinals the way they've been playing. Right. Agreed. Uh, the next one's kind of interesting. Uh, Jacksonville's going to Houston. Uh, you know, Obviously, Houston just fired the coach. Jacksonville's opening up as a six-and-a-half-point dog on the road. Uh, 52 and a half was what it opened. It's it's ballooned up to 54 and a half, and then um, where it's about six six and a half. You know, this is one of these spots. 
it's it's early for the index. The index tells me to take the Jags because because Houston literally is the worst team in the index right now. But do you think that with the firing, they're going to bounce back and play their best game of the year? I mean, six and a half is kind of a big number considering these teams, this team hasn't won a game yet. Yeah, uh, I had this exact same uh, thought process <laughs> that rolled through my mind. I was so prepared to bet on the Jaguars this week as well. I was kind of hoping I could squeeze out a full touchdown there. But after the news of the O'Brien firing, I think you definitely need to take that into consideration. Sure. Because historically, teams get a jolt of energy after uh, a move like that is made. And yeah. I also read reports this morning that uh, J.J. Watt and Coach O'Brien got into it at practice uh, last week. Mm. So it seems like, based on that news, that this is going to be a positive for the locker room. So okay. that would give me even more pause in looking towards the Jaguars here. I will say, though, that the move up on the total is probably warranted. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, this one's uh, maybe not as interesting. Miami is going to San Francisco, uh, and I don't. You can tell me who's starting there. At this point, it's a nine. They're nine-point favorites at the opener. It's between eight and nine and a half. I, I the total is off. Was off the opening. It's only in one spot. I guess they're waiting for a quarterback announcement in San Francisco. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I'm sure that this number is, it looks like it's off the board even at a couple of places. Mm-hmm. It certainly has to do with the quarterback. Right. Um, I, I kind of half expected that Jimmy G would return this week, but mm-hmm. I got to be honest, I don't know that would make much of a difference to the number in my mind, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mullins was serviceable. Granted, that was against the Jets the week before, but uh, certainly laid an egg on Sunday night. And Beathard came in, moved the ball, got them down into scoring position, and almost right back into the game. Um, I would probably like to look at the Dolphins here, take a pretty serious look at them. Right. This is a lot of points for San Francisco to be laying. And regardless of the quarterback, I don't think this offense has really shown much this season. And the Dolphins aren't the Giants, right? So, I mean, the, the San Francisco got you know, got fed by beating the Jets and the Giants in New York. Miami is not a great team, but they're they're decent. You know, I mean, they, they've, they've won a game, but it's more important that they've kind of kept it close against, you know, like Seattle we talked about. They were almost in there, and mm-hmm. obviously they, they were close to Buffalo. Those were home games for them. They did get beat by the Patriots. It's just a long trip. I'm not sure. Let's look at it. Um, again, I, San Francisco is one of these teams. It's a well-coached team. So they're not going to totally, you know, fuck it up. You know, sorry, America, for swearing. But uh, but bottom line is, like, I don't know, man. Like, this could be a team that the defense turns up a little bit. You know, Fitz Magic throws two picks, pick sixes, the game's over. You know, so. Yeah. That could definitely happen. All right. Here's another game that, you know, we think is going to be played. Denver is going to New England in the late spot. Uh, New England opened as an 11-point uh, favorite in this one. It's like 10.5 to 11 right now, depending on where it's at. Bet Online has it off the board. There's no total. You don't know who's if Cam Newton's going to play. Probably won't. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is probably not going to play. So this could be another one that moves again. Who knows? Yeah. I didn't – you know, initially I was kind of on the Patriots in this spot. But then I also said, gosh, like, I mean, Stidham looked terrible. Uh, so did Hoyer. I could get 11. If I get 11 points, maybe I take it with Denver. Yeah, I agree. I actually, uh, when after we spoke last week, uh, saw the Cam Newton news, mm-hmm. I immediately looked for a Kansas City bet. Couldn't get that in, but I jumped ahead to week five and locked in Denver plus 11 myself. Nice. So got that one in the account. And um, I would be surprised, though, that we see a circus circa contest line at that number if cam is indeed out yeah uh, i'm not sure that i would want to play denver or anything over a touchdown even with the stidham or hoyer quarterback situation they're equally playing i mean brett rippon is still the quarterback and yeah. we saw him torch the jets but that was the jets so that's right he still had a pick uh, six in that game too brett rippon so yeah true <laughs> i would also add though i i don't know that stidham looked as bad as the numbers indicated he threw two interceptions but one of those was clearly on edelman mm-hmm. and uh i certainly would hope that the patriots go with him over hoyer 
Yeah, I mean, they're going to run the ball, right? They're going to try to just run the ball, kind of do what they do against the Chiefs, you know, just pummel the ball, try to set up play action, make it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, just see if Denver's defense can figure that out, and I think they probably can. We'll, we'll, dis- we'll discuss it, see what happens with the li- when the Lions come out. Yep. Next one is actually a really exciting matchup. I mean, we've kind of alluded to both these teams already in the in the review. The Colts are going to Cleveland. We know that the Colts are playing really well. They're two and a half point favorites on the road, though. Uh, it's it was sorry, it opened at that. Now it's anywhere between one and two and a half. So it's kind of a wavering line depending on where you're looking. If you want a line shop, the total was 47. It seems stable there. Man, this is a tough spot. I think that the Colts defense probably matches up pretty good against that running game for the Browns, mm-hmm. but I'm a little concerned about scoring. Uh, you know, when it comes to the Colts, as we talked about, I'm seeing two at Rivers. Um, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I can tell you that I took two and a half points with the Browns already. Mm-hmm. Um, it did actually opened up in some spots as a pick 'em on Sunday mm. night and quickly moved towards the Colts. Mm. And I think that watching the line movements over the past couple of days, there's probably a little bit of a battle going back and forth between two different groups where you see the line tick down to one uh, and then back up to two and a half for the Colts. So it even touched three for a few minutes. Oh, wow. I saw. Um, but I think that uh, the, you really got to ask yourself, how do you compare the Browns and the Bears? Because mm-hmm. this number in its current state tells you that somebody thinks that those two teams are even. Yeah. And I, I don't think that. I think that uh, I like the Browns in that spot. And uh, that leads me to think that there's some value on them in this matchup, even without Chubb. Yeah, well, that's somebody. Uh, could be the index. Uh, it actually shows the Browns slightly better in the index. They are better at 14-5 versus 16-5. But they're both kind of middle of the pack there. Um, they're not above and beyond. But the Browns would be better, for sure. So I get your, I get your point. I think you're right. We talked about it last week. Uh, you know, in some cases, there was a little trepidation on my part to take the Colts in that situation. But I think in this one, it's a mistake. So I can get on the Browns on this one. Uh, okay. Mike, Mike, you'll be happy about that. Yeah. Uh, before we go to the Sunday Nighter, I think we skipped over the Giants that the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm sorry. I must advance too fast. Yeah, this is a this is a an interesting game. The Giants are going to the Cowboys. And, you know, they were open up as 11.5-point favorites, uh, 53 being the total. The total's up to 54. This can be anywhere from 9.5 to 10. You know, it's just a what do you believe, right? The numbers tell you that these teams are much closer because the friggin' Dallas is so bad when they turn the ball over all the time. I think on paper Dallas is a better team, but I know it's only week four, but if you followed my index, you have to take the Giants. And that's, I can't, it's hard for me to do that, man. <laughs> no way. Will you take the Cowboys? I will. Yeah, I'm yeah. prepared to lay it in this spot. I think that uh, the Giants are going to have a really hard time stopping the Cowboys oh, yeah. at all. That's everybody. What about and, the defense? Can Do you think that Daniel Jones will have a career day and, you know, score, he'll, he'll put up, you know, five touchdown passes against this terrible defense? No, I don't think so. I I, uh, I think that this Giants offense has been equally under-impressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when you're putting these two foes against each other on the field, I think that uh, Dallas is going to be able to stack up against them. And right. to be honest, they may not have to stop them all that often because uh, Dak Prescott and his side are going to put up some points. And I think that um, there's also some positive regression due for the Cowboys in terms of that turnover margin. Certainly don't expect to see a team go that far out of whack in the negative. Right. And the, and the Giants, have, they're minus four in turnover differential, too. They're not good. Uh, okay. okay. I mean, the, the Cowboys are just a – they're just – we talked about this last year, didn't we? It's like the same exact conversation as last year. The Cowboys' offense is incredible. Their defense is terrible. They haven't fixed the problems, obviously, over the last year. And, you know, I, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm, I'm on Team Cowboys, but they got to show me something. And I think it's part of its coaching. I do think McCarthy sucks, and he doesn't have his team ready to play. And part of it is 
I think the Cowboys know they can come back against most teams, especially like the Giants. So, you know, maybe a first half, I'll take the Giants in the first half or something, uh, because that's they've been, I would say the Cowboys may have been the, the worst first half team this season so far. Mm-hmm. They're a great second half team. Fourth quarter team, they're incredible. So, um, uh, we'll see. I may, may get on you with the Cowboys. You can talk me into it if we don't have great other picks. It's just hard to stomach those guys. Yeah, I think that you're on to something there. Don't want to gloss over that. Looking at Dallas at halftime here sounds like a phenomenal wager. You mm-hmm. can sign me up for that. All right. All right, now let's get to the Sunday night game. You've got Minnesota going to Seattle. Seattle is flying back and forth across the country every week, it seems like. Uh, now they are at home. It opened up at 7.5. Huge total of 58, which is really staying there. It's 57 and a half, but you know, and, and you know, the, the spread's about the same, seven or seven and a half. Seattle's defense—it's interesting. You look statistically, they are almost as bad as the Cowboys. I, I, you know, it's weird. Their offense is so good with Russell Wilson, but you know, their defense has given up massive yardage. And unlike the Cowboys, they're not turning the ball over. They actually are plus five in the turnover differential which I think is really the difference between those two teams. Mm. I mean, they're giving up 476 yards a game, which is worse than the NFL. And then somehow their points are only, you know, they're only giving up 27 points a game on defense, whereas, you know, the Cowboys are giving up like 30, mainly turnovers, right? So do you believe in the, in the Seahawks? Or do you think the Vikings are a good spot to, to play for the underdog? Oh, I like the Vikings a lot here in this spot. I think that, I certainly have ragged on them the first couple of weeks, but they have found something here in the rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, another Mm -hmm. monster day, over 100 receiving yards. And I think that he has stepped in and filled Stefan Diggs' shoes very admirably. Mm -hmm. Um, Seven points is a lot for this Seattle team to lay. Uh, Granted, they do have the passing attack who is capable of scoring at a moment's notice, but I think Minnesota does too. And, when you face off against that secondary, Seattle 29th ranked in pass defense, I think that catching seven is a good spot. What do you think about that one? Wah, 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 wah. I'm doing sound effects now. Cousins is not playing at 1 o'clock. Is that what you're saying? You're going to back Cousins True. at a non-1 o'clock spot? That is a, a very important <laughs> point. Look, he's actually played okay uh, in this spot. For I think he played okay a couple years ago at Seattle, if I'm not – if I'm recalling correctly on a Monday night game he can play really well I mean Dalvin Cook is obviously having a great year mm-hmm. I mean I agree with you seven and seven and a half points would be great I mean if you get seven and a half the contest it's like almost an automatic but I don't think you're going to see it it's probably going to be six and a half in the contest so we have a tough decision to make and so you know we'll have to review our picks later but you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think that uh, that Minnesota defense is equally pretty bad this year so far. It's really the turnovers again. You know, one team's plus five turnover differential, the other one's minus four. What Kirk Cousins is going to show up, you know? So we can maybe I can be talked into it too, but that's my biggest handicap in this game. I agree. I think a six-and-a-half number in the contest would be difficult to stomach. Right. The last game, as we said, may be moved to Indy, but it's going to be technically a home game for New Orleans. They're playing the Chargers. Uh, they opened up as a 7.5-point favorite, which is pretty consistent, maybe up to 8 in some spots. Total was at 52. It's down to 50, between 50 and 51. Uh, when I saw this initially, I was all over the Chargers again. I, I don't know why. There's certain teams we always pick, actually. I know I do. Uh, I love the Chargers every year. We've talked about it actually on, was it Sunday or something, that all the Sharps love this team for the last three years and they can't they can't get it done. But I think defensively they're pretty solid. Um, the Saints are, you know, we've talked about it. They're underperforming at some level, whether it's Breeze, who looked better this week, or that mm-hmm. defense, which hasn't been as good as it has in years past. I'd take the 7.5. It probably will be 6.5 in a contest, but... You know, what do you think? I think that this number actually might come out at seven and a half or eight, to be honest with you. And that probably tells you a little bit of a story. I, I'm not sold that the Chargers are going to be the side in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, Drew Brees and his downfall has been a little bit uh, overplayed, to be honest. Sure. And, uh, I also expect that Michael Thomas and some of his weapons may be returning for this game. So. Okay. That's another thing I like to keep my eye out on. 
Yeah, I did already take the Chargers plus eight, FYI. Okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, we could lim- we could spread across exposure there. Um, well, let's look. I at- think that uh, New Orleans is going to be a phenomenal teaser leg. Mm-hmm. If you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I like the teasers action. Who doesn't like the teasers? <laughs> Uh, but we're talking about football here. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. If they're at seven and a half or eight, and then you get them, tease them down to, you know, say two or one and a half, that's a pretty good, pretty good action there. Nice job, action. Well, let's talk about the, the week five in Circa. Just a review of last week. We went two and three. Wah, wah, not so great. We finished 60% for the first quarter, which is pretty good. It's 480th place right now. I do want to tell you that the guy who won the first quarter went 18-1-1, one one, though. Um, not that that's going to happen every quarter, but that's phenomenal uh, for that guy. And the guys who finished second and third were actually tied for second at 17-3. and three. Excellent. So we couldn't even have done it if we'd have gotten perfect last week, but we know what we have to aspire to. Um, but overall, pretty good first first quarter for us. Yeah, I, I'm happy with 12-8, and eight, no doubt about it. It's a positive start, and hopefully we can really catch fire and um, ascend our way up the leaderboard here. That's right. So here's some games that I listed already. We can maybe skip over some, but uh, I do like that Steelers, you know, if it's seven, or it's probably going to be six and a half, seven. If it's seven and a half, maybe we could get talked out of it, but I'm, I'm definitely on the Steelers there. Um, we kind of talked about the Broncos a little bit. We kind of need more information. I do not need you to go with me on the Jets there. I just was listing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did, yeah, Cleveland at two and a half against Indy. That seems like a good bet. Um, You're not going to get on board with me with the Bengals and 13 at the the Ravens, which is fine. Um, You're opposite me on the Chargers Saints, so we'll have to duke that one out. huh? But you wouldn't take Saints in that spot, would you? I don't know. I think it's really going to be dependent on the number, to be honest with you. I mean, seven and a half is certainly uh, more palatable than seven or six and a half. Right. So I'm, you know, they've, the Circa operators have really thrown us some curveballs in the last couple of weeks. So come tomorrow afternoon, I think we may have a little bit different discussion on some of these games. Well, they've been doing some line speculation, right? They're putting out a line that hasn't quite gotten there yet, and we have to make a decision. And then sometimes with information, we're kind of parsing out, well, okay, and like COVID stuff happens. I mean, it's, it's a lot to digest. It's a different different year than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we both like Panthers at Falcons at two and a half or hopefully greater. Um, we'll see how that goes. And then you've got Jags-Texans. I, I put that, I think, you know, we don't have to go there if we don't want to. Um, Giants-Cowboys, you think Cowboys all the way there. Titans-Bills is off the board. And then Minnesota plus seven at Seattle. So it sounds like if we narrowed it down, we'd like those three, Steelers, Cleveland, and then the Panthers. It sounds like we have to decide on the Cowboys game, the Minnesota game, and then we also had Washington highlighted up right. above. That's right. And, and Kansas sure. City. Well, sure, Kansas City. If it's if it's you said a touchdown or was it, was it ten or a touchdown? Two touchdowns. <laughs> How bad do you think the Raiders are? I, I mean, I don't think they're bad. I just um, I don't know. Two touchdowns. Yeah. Oof. That's tough. It'd be tough to stomach. But I know we got to yeah. take some more favorites this week, unless we pick the right the right underdogs. I mean, it's I think the favorites are going to come back this week after the little market yeah. correction. Yeah, I mean, this is a new win- NFL wags. All these teams are high flying and scoring at a moment's notice, and I think that two touchdown spreads are not insurmountable. Um, looking at the head to head from last season, mm-hmm. Kansas City won at home 40 to nine, and <laughs> they won on the road 28 to 10. No, the, look. You don't have to. I have I have my Mahomes jersey in the other room. I forgot to wear it today. Sorry, action. I was working late, but I'm on team team Chiefs. I've already got a bet with a friend about the Chiefs winning the title against the field, and I gave him odds, so I kind of screwed that one up. But uh, and I believe wait, that wait. what odds? Oh, like one and a half to one. I don't know okay. what. I mean, he wouldn't do the bet otherwise. I just wanted to do straight up 100 bucks. I got the Chiefs. You take everybody else and. 
he, you know, he wouldn't do it. He was, he's not a real better. I just like, I don't care. I'm going to win this bet anyway, you know, whatever. So yeah. 100 to 150. I, I mean, obviously he's in a better position, but I'm that confident in the Chiefs action. I mean, I think they're the best team in the NFL and it's not really saying much there. I mean, the numbers show it and you can see it on the field. They're, they're incredible. Well, it's ironic you say that because I, uh, was just discussing this over lunch with Melissa today, and I put in a bet on the Chiefs at plus 350 to win the Super Bowl. So right there with you. boy. I mean, we were on them last year when they were starting to catch fire, and obviously I've been a Mahomes guy. If you look back over the, three, the last three seasons, I mean, they should have gone to the Super Bowl the year before. I mean, New England obviously played a great first half and took them to overtime and won all. They would have gone to the Super Bowl that year, and I think they would have beat the Rams. So... You know, we'll see. I mean, injuries, it's a long season, COVID, whatever, but they're a hell of a football team. But I think on the NFC side, you know, Seattle's playing great football. The Packers are playing great. I'm telling you, man, you watch the Cowboys. They're going to come back. I, I know that I, I, I put some bets on them, but they can't play this bad. They can't play this bad action. They, they can't continue to play this bad. Otherwise, they should fire McCarthy and just bring in anybody. Yeah, I hope so. I'm right there with you on the Cowboys. Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up the discussion here. I mean, I kind of extended it there, action. Um, so I appreciate everybody for listening and watching us on YouTube occasionally. Uh, definitely subscribe to us in both locations. And uh, you know, give us some comments, man. We want people to let us know what you're thinking. If you want any money, I know Suter, you know, Rainmaker, is always texting me his picks. He's He's listening to us every week, so thank you. And I know Ridgeway listens to us. You know, you gave her a good consultation on some of these games, not really, uh, last week. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I was on the Cleveland money line, all right? I know you were, but how about all the other ones? It was like, you took every dog. If you're like, well, you're making the, the case for all the dogs. They went nine and or six and nine, but that's uh, oh, good. It's good. We're, that's what, we're here for you guys. We're here for you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, follow me at uh, Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram and follow the podcast at Silent Action Pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Well, good luck this week. Good luck, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.